Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. downloading this episode of our podcast. The following article is from the July-August 2020 California Freemason Magazine, and the title of the article is Hashtag Girl Dads, written by Ian A. Stewart, How Freemasonry Deepens the Sacred Connection Between a Father and Daughter. It's well established that masonry provides fathers and sons with a bond that's often passed down in multiple generations, providing both a literal and spiritual link across the ages. And yet, the lessons of Freemasonry aren't confined to a paternal lineage. In fact, for some, they take their full bloom when applied to the complex, delicate, and profound connection between a father and daughter. It's about unconditional love, says past Grandmaster R. Stephen Doan. It's an incredibly tough thing for men to express. It goes against all understanding of masculinity to make yourself that vulnerable, and yet it's precisely by practicing that kind of empathy that Masonic dads are able to connect with daughters who, let's be honest, are often going through experiences that men will never fully understand. That's why here, inspired by the 100th anniversary of Job's Daughters International and Freemasonry's connection to the Young Women's Order, we're proud to celebrate some of the many diverse ways that Freemasonry illuminates the fraught business of raising strong, independent, powerful girls. Section 1. Giving Back. Daughter, Gianna. Dad, Sean Mantuka. When Sean Mantuka and his wife, Devin, were pregnant with their second daughter, they were hit with a life-altering piece of news. Their child would be born with congenital abnormality. As it turns out, Mantuka's life was changed, for the better. Shortly after the birth of Gianna, whose left leg would need to be amputated, the family was referred to Shriners Hospital, which specializes in treating pediatric abnormalities free of cost. We were young parents, still financially trying to find our way, Mantuka says. Having the Shrine deliver these services at no cost, it took a huge burden off of our family and allowed us to focus on what was best for our daughter versus what we could afford. Doctors at the hospital performed the amputation when Gianna was 15 months old, helped her through physical therapy, and fitted her with a prosthetic, which is adjusted every three months. Now 12, Gianna is a little spitfire, according to Mantuka, along with her sister Sophia and brother Matthew. She plays softball, goes skiing, and bikes. Grateful for the service they received at the Shriners Hospital and intrigued by the organization behind it, Mantuka joined Irvine Valley No. 671 in 2011, when he served as Master of in 2016. He also became deeply engaged in the Shrine, where he now serves on the Board of Governors for the Shrine Medical Center in Pasadena, which opened in 2017. Beyond giving him a way to pay it forward, Freemasonry has provided Mantuka with a worldview that's informed his approach to parenting. I try to live by three principal tenets, love, relief, and truth, he says. What you realize if you have multiple kids is that each one is completely different, regardless of any disability. You have to move with them at their own pace. The next section is called Ceremonials, Daughter Sophie, Dad, Andy Brannon. 
Escorting a daughter down the aisle is a once-in-a-lifetime moment for any father. For Andy Brannon, it involved a little role reversal. His unforgettable moment came as his daughter Sophie walked him down the aisle. Brannon was being installed as a grand officer with Job's daughters, which Sophie had participated in since she was 10 and which Brannon began volunteering with a few years later. By the time Brannon had risen through the adult ranks of the organization, Sophie was a past honored queen of Auburn Bethel number 148, making her responsible for escorting him to the altar. At the end of the event, the Job's daughters and adult guardians performed the ceremony of the closing cross, and by chance, father and daughter ended up stationed directly in front of one another. This was really cool for me, Sophie says, a real proud moment. That feeling of pride went both ways. For Brandon, the event was a significant milestone on a journey that he and Sophie had taken together. Sophie, now 20, continues to serve as a majority member of Job's daughters while going to school at Sierra College in the pre-nursing program. Beyond giving father and daughter a reason to spend time together, Brannon, a member of Eureka No. 16, says that their shared experience in Job's daughters gave them a language with which to discuss woolly concepts like leadership and self-improvement. Watching Sophie rise through the officer stations to honored queen and accepting the burdens of fundraising, organizing, and memorizing the ritual that come with the position showed Brannon just how capable his daughter really was. I realized some of my views of my daughter were based on who she was when she was younger, Brandon says. I got to see a side of her I might never have been able to see. Next section is called The Family Business. Daughter, Stephanie Besner. Dad, R. Stephen Doan, past grandmaster. The first job Stephanie Besner landed after law school was grueling. Long hours, an overwhelming workload, and plenty of cause for self-doubt. But she stuck with it because she had a good boss at her back one with a vested interest in her future. It was, of course, her dad. That was dozens of years ago. Today, Stephanie is a partner in the law officers of Doan Besner alongside her father, past grandmaster R. Stephen Doan. It's a continuation of what's been a lifelong blending of business and family for the Doans. Masonry has always played a crucial role in family life, Stephanie says. It was absolutely manifested in the way I grew up. Dad could have been a different kind of lawyer, but he wanted to be home every night so we could have dinner together. He brought us to events, stood up for us, and encouraged us to speak up. As Stephanie grew into her practice, she modeled her career on similar values. Now, father and daughter are proud to point to clients who have been with the family for decades, testament to the value of interpersonal relationships. Seeing that, it made it difficult for me ever to want to take any other path, Stephanie says. It gave me a different picture of what success can look like. I have so much now, and I have two lovely girls I get to see frequently because I'm my own boss. And the next section is called The Inheritance. Daughter, Vanna Zakarian. Dad, Gerard Shirikjian. And I apologize for how I butchered that one. Gerard Shirikjian says jewelry runs in his blood. He isn't kidding. Shirikjian, a past master of Wisdom Lodge number 202, is a fifth generation jeweler. Having started at age 10 as an apprentice in Lebanon, but the sixth generation of Shirikjian Shirikjian jeweler proves it's not just a Y chromosome trait. Shirikjian's daughter, Vanna, now runs her father's shop. Gerard Leon Fine Jewelry with her brother, Vacha. It's been a long time coming for Vanna, who grew up tagging along with her dad to work, watching him create custom designs and engravings. In high school, she worked part-time in the shop, and after college, she threw herself into it headlong. I realized this was going to be my home, she says. As she honed her craft, Vanna found herself playing off her father's talents. My work complements his, she says. 
Where Sharikjian's ring and pendant designs are traditionally ornate, Vana favors a more modern look, characterized by clean lines. That's become our niche, she says. It's that old-world flair with a modernized touch. Vana's also helped evolve the business, introducing new technology into what had been a very handmade pursuit. The result has been popular among California Masons. Since the 1980s, Sharikjian has had a sizable clientele interested in Masonic rings, pins, and other pieces. He's designed rings for several past Lodge Masters and past Grand Masters. A portfolio that Vana, a past honored queen with Job's daughters, and Vacha, also a member of Wisdom Number no. 202, certainly appreciate. I'm so blessed to be able to take the next step now, Vana says. There's a responsibility there to make my father proud. Every time I deliver a piece, it has a little bit of my heart and my soul in it. They're all little babies of mine out in the world. And the next section is called The Life of the Party. Daughters, Ishel and Sophia. Dad, Art Salazar, who is our Grand Treasurer. By the time they reached adolescence, Ishel and Sophia Salazar were plenty familiar with big, elaborate parties. After all, each year since they were kids, they'd attended the Grand Master's Gala at annual communication as guests of their dad, Grand Treasurer Art Salazar. So when it came time to plan each of their quinceañeras, Salazar knew he'd have to go big to make the event unforgettable. Dad stepped up. At Ischel's party, Salazar riffed on her favorite movie, Beauty and the Beast. During the traditional father-daughter waltz, he donned a furry beast mask, presenting his eldest daughter to the guests in character, bringing down the house. When Sophia had her party in January 2020, she told me not to buy a mask, Salazar recalls with a laugh. Instead, they spent weeks choreographing a dance to the Temptations' My Girl. For Salazar, of Irvine Valley number 671, San Francisco number 120, and the 33 under dispensation, both events were in keeping with a parenting philosophy that emphasizes approaching his daughter's interests with genuine zeal and not being above stumping for a laugh. With a daughter, it's okay to play dress-up and play dolls, and it's also okay to go outside and get dirty playing sports, he says. Kids change constantly, and their passions evolve. You have to enjoy every stage on its own merit. That's an outlook shaped in no small small part by Freemasonry, Salazar explains, which helped him learn to step back, listen, and reserve judgment. When his daughters, who are now 18 and 15, reached high school, he resolved to let them make their own decisions about how to spend their time. One decided to focus on her soccer team, the other wanted to stick with her Rainbow for Girls assembly, which required a significant time investment. The decision was there, Salazar says, so long as they thought it through. Masonry taught me not to always feel compelled to try to solve somebody's problem for them, Salazar says, but to ask more questions and help guide them to find their own answer. Job's Daughter's Centennial, 100 Years Later, Still Leaning In, by Drea Moldavan Romer. It's hard to imagine that 100 years ago, when she first launched the Order of Job's Daughters, Ethel Weed Mick could have conceived of Sheryl Sandberg's lean-in mantra, or of hashtags like hashtag girl boss and hashtag me too. Yet for the millions of Jobies that have come through the organization over the past century, the concept of young women as self-actualized, empowered, and equipped to thrive in the classroom and the boardroom is anything but new. We teach girls to have a seat at the table, says Becky Lane, a high-ranking supervisor of Job's Daughters California, one of four Masonic youth orders operating in the state. What was novel in 1920 to give these girls is essential in 2020. 
Today, that spark can be seen in young women like 18-year-old Julia Barnes, a second-generation Joby. She's been affiliated with the group since she was 10 and is a past honored queen of Bethel Number no. 97 in Burbank, the highest role within her local chapter. This year, Barnes is serving as Miss California, the organization's representative at statewide Masonic conventions. It's a job that combines elements of management, public speaking, and maybe even a dash of political maneuvering. At an age when many teenagers can come off as sullen or disinterested, Barnes radiates competence and charisma, qualities she credits to the organization. One of the biggest values that Job's Daughters has had in my life is that it has exposed me to a variety of people of different backgrounds, Barnes says. It has truly opened my eyes to the spectrum of the world. As Job's Daughters International celebrates its centennial this summer, the timelessness of its mission continues to resonate, even in a world that would be hardly recognizable to its founder. A Century of Service The world has changed enormously for women over the past 100 years, yet the need for leadership training and academic support is as important as ever, a testament both to the foresight of Job's Daughters and also, sadly, to the stubborn persistence of gender gaps in education in the workplace. Job's Daughters was launched in 1920 in Omaha, Nebraska by Ethel T. Weed Mick, affectionately remembered as Mother Mick. At a critical moment in the women's suffrage movement, the 19th Amendment was ratified that summer, the order aimed to provide young women with an opportunity to guide one another in developing into adults of high moral character, strong intellect, and poise, according to the group. Wick took her inspiration from the book of Job with its story of the equal treatment of women and particularly the passage, In all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. Mick, who was already active within the Masonic-affiliated Order of the Eastern Star, opened her organization to young women aged 13 to 18 who were related to a master mason and proclaimed belief in a supreme being, regardless of their specific religion. The qualifications for entry have since changed over time. Today, anyone between 10 and 20 can join if sponsored by a Mason. Upon its founding, the organization stressed moral and spiritual development through the reverence for God, loyalty to the U.S. Constitution and government, and respect for parents and elders. Bethels, or local chapters, were run similarly to Masonic lodges, and often inside of lodges. Under the supervision of adult deputies, Jobies elected their leaders, ran meetings according to parliamentary procedure, and planned community service and fundraising events, along with frequent parties, dances, and outings with the group. During meetings, members wore a distinctive uniform of white Grecian dresses, symbolic of their equality within the group. Officers wore capes and crowns, representing authority and responsibility. Today, the group continues to share masonry's reverence for ritual, and members still wear the original garb. However, the group's aim has shifted from internal development to focus on more external matters, like college readiness and executive skill building. The Job's Daughters Foundation issues several academic and vocational scholarships to members at both the state and national level. We still hold true to poise and grace, Barnes says, but we really pay attention to building members up to be powerful leaders. Much like masonry, Job's Daughters requires steadfastness and commitment to move up the ranks. It takes two and a half years to go through the five positions in the officer's line, ending with a term as honored queen. With every subsequent position comes a new level of executive responsibility, including event planning, fundraising, and communications. Honored queens must budget for and plan their own installation ceremonies, an often complicated and complex process. 
That progression and serving as honored queen allows for them to build the confidence they need, says Terry Stieg, who joined at 13 and is still active as a Grand Guardian, one of the top adult leadership positions within the group. The result is that upon completing their term, Jobies are well prepared for college and for careers thereafter. While some of the most celebrated alumni have been performers, including actresses Judy Garland, Kim Cattrall, and Amy Teagarden, a past honored queen of Bethel number 244 in Downey, leaders today also credit the group's influences on former Job's daughters like Nanette Hegarty, who in 2003 became Milwaukee's first female police chief. Other exemplars include alumni like Lana Siebert, a Harvard graduate and an archaeologist with the Smithsonian Institution, and the young adult sci-fi novelist and video game designer Jean Rabe. A changing world. Despite tremendous advances when it comes to leadership positions at large, women continue to go woefully underrepresented. While they made up 48% of the workforce in 2019, women occupied only 21% of the C-suite jobs at major U.S. corporations. Women also claimed less than a fifth of all board seats at large public companies. Numbers like those speak to the enduring need for leadership training, something that Job's Daughters is well positioned to offer. We encourage our members to grow up to be strong young women, Stieg explains, and to be skilled in business before they even get to the business world. Those involved with the organization praise its aims and say it undeniably helps those it serves. However, like so many other service-focused youth organizations today, it's reaching fewer people than ever before. For context, the Girl Scouts of America has lost nearly 40% of its members since 2003. The Boy Scouts, which declared bankruptcy earlier this year, has seen an almost 50% decline in enrollment since its high in the 1970s. There's wide speculation about what is behind that drop, including, for some, a belief that such groups are simply too old-fashioned. In their place, a whole swath of skill-building programs have flourished, sports camps, hackathons, STEM retreats. Rightly or wrongly, the perception of datedness has been a difficult one for Job's daughters and others to shake. Today, Job's Daughters International serves 11,000 youth members across 681 Bethels in the United States, Canada, Australia, the Philippines, and Brazil. In California, there are some 800 members in 82 Bethels and 85 Joe B2Bs, as the under 10 feeder program is known. Those involved with Job's Daughters see encouraging signs at the local level. In Bethels that have a strong connection to a Masonic Lodge and a deep bench of volunteers, members' experience is enriching and positive. Adult guardians, majority members, and Jobies themselves create a version of the organization that suits their needs, funding scholarships, volunteering, and organizing events that are meaningful to members. And that, it seems, is a two-way street. The adults involved with those Bethels get plenty back in return. Lodge Connections While Job's Daughters is an organization by and for young women, it also has had a profoundly positive impact on Masons like Jeff Shimsky, past master of Los Cerritos Lodge number 674 in Long Beach. Shimsky brims with excitement at the mention of Bethel number 161, to which his daughter Sloan belongs, and where he's an associate guardian. It brings me such joy watching her gel with other girls and be supportive of their successes and their failures, Shimsky says. The Bethel also brings the best out of Shimsky's fellow Masons. Several members, including Jeffrey Matlack of Bellflower No. 320 and past masters Bill Melanson, Los Cerritos No. 674, and Bill LaValle, Greenleaf Gardens No. 670, have all had daughters rise through the Bethel and have volunteered in different capacities. For Masonic dads, Shimsky says, Job's Daughters represents a unique avenue for connecting with teenage daughters, not always an easy bunch, and for deepening their Masonic bonds. They all serve big and care really deeply, Shimsky says of the cohort. 
The Bethel meets inside the Lakewood Masonic Center, which it rents free of charge from Lakewood Masonic Lodge Number 728. Members of both groups are frequently invited to each other's events and even provide support in other ways. A few years ago, when a JDI member's father died, Masons established a scholarship fund for her. For Jobies, mixed events are a way to make connections with adults that may someday help them with career advice, internships, and even jobs. For Lodge members, they're a heartening reminder of Masonry's influence on the next generation. Most of all, Shimsky says, Job's Daughters enables him and his daughter to share a unique bond. There's no other place where you can actually watch a daughter of yours grow into such a leader, he says. The next chapter. When Becky Lane, the current Grand Marshal of Job's Daughters, California, looks back, she's struck by how well the organization prepared her for life outside the Bethel. I came into Joby's very shy, Lane, now 49 explains, but I found my confidence and discovered that I was a good person. As a Joby, Lane learned to facilitate group meetings, develop an agenda, establish and serve on committees, create, present reports, and speak publicly. After college and graduate school, those became important traits when she landed her first job at Paramount Pictures. It was all the skills we give our girls from a young age, the poise, the public speaking, the organizational aptitude, she says. Despite that emphasis on leadership development, Job's Daughters International is not simply a school-to-management pipeline. It is also a safe, non-judgmental space in which girls create friendships and benefit from the support of mentors and peers, things that can be hard to find in the dog-eat-dog world of high school. Barnes, the current Miss California, knows that from experience. I joined right before I went into middle school. My parents got divorced and all these things started happening. Job's daughter was like a constant, she says. A lot of girls need that in their lives. For as proud of its traditions as Job's Daughters is, the organization has made efforts in recent years to appeal to a new generation. Fittingly, the members themselves are responsible for that push. Bethels all over the world now regularly communicate on Instagram, on Facebook, and through YouTube channels. Comfort with social media has other benefits, too. During the COVID-19 lockdown, Jobies adapted quickly to a world of FaceTime hangouts and ritual practice on Zoom. The group even held a virtual leadership camp focusing on self-care. Older members organized Friday night online parties. Other changes are in the works, too. Stieg is working on a database project to improve membership programs and external media drives. The project will also help members track their accomplishments for resume building and college or scholarship applications, and provide a portal for online education. Stieg points out that JDI has seen a modest bump in membership recently, another cause for optimism. However, all involved say the key is to retain what's made Job's daughter special these many years. Whether they belonged three decades ago or joined just recently, members say going through Job's daughters is a journey of transformation, from girlhood to womanhood, from self-doubt to empowerment. A hundred years later, that journey is still timeless, Lane says. We introduce these girls to the women they are going to become. It's an amazing privilege to see them find themselves. Fighting like a girl. How Fathers Can and Must Become Their Daughter's Most Effective Ally by Ian A. Stewart. Anthony Onesto needed a break from playing dolls with his two young daughters, so he came up with a game. One day, he announced that Barbie was going to open a business, whatever kind his girls wanted. Before long, Barbie was in charge of a dog food store. Father and daughters hatched a business plan for it, launched a charity drive for pets in need, and hired Ken Dolls as workers. What began as a, as a way to liven up playtime was suddenly an invaluable primer on business, economics, and entrepreneurship. A few years later, inspired by the experience, Onesto created Ella the Engineer, a STEM-themed comic book aimed at young girls. 
It's examples like that, a father's twisting the parenting dial by just a few degrees, that fascinates Michelle Travis, author of Dads for Daughters, How Fathers Can Give Their Daughters a Better, Brighter, Fairer Future. Travis, a professor of labor law specializing in work-life issues at the University of San Francisco, explains that fathers are in a position to make a difference in not only the lives of their girls, but crucially in the world they step into. California Freemason spoke with Travis about soccer dads, STEM camp, and how fathers can affect their daughters' lives for the best. California Freemason, what does research show about how men change when they have daughters? Michelle Travis, dads today are really shifting the goals they have for their daughters. One recent survey asked what characteristics dad wanted to inspire in their daughters, and for a huge number of men, strength and independence was among the top responses. So that's one part of it. There's another part that's outside the day-to-day of parenting. It's how dads connect their roles as fathers with their roles as a worker, a leader, and someone in the community. Research shows that when men have daughters, it tends to make them less tied to traditional gender roles and more supportive of anti-discrimination laws and gender equity laws. California Freemason. And that has to do with having standing, right? Michelle. Yes, standing is a word that social scientists use. It comes from the idea that when a man speaks out on behalf of a cause like women's equality, it's often perceived as being against their own self-interest. But that goes away when the speaker identifies an authentic vested interest in the outcome. For men, that means invoking your status as a father of a daughter as a genuine motivation for why you care and about having a more equal world. California Freemason. Is it important for men to be involved in youth organizations like Job's Daughters? Michelle. For one thing, having men involved in those kind of organizations is important just as a skill-building exercise. Girls are going to be entering a world where they have to interact with men, so it's important to learn to navigate that early. And externally, rightly or wrongly, it gives credibility to programs to have powerful leadership from men. It says we care about this enough to invest our time in it. California Freemason. A lot of men use sports to connect with their daughters, like volunteering as a soccer or softball coach. How does that fit into the equation? Michelle. It's a fantastic starting place. Sports are so important. Girls' participation in athletics correlates with higher levels of self-esteem and better performance in school. And for fathers, it's a place where you can start to see the sources of inequality. You see how much less money gets funneled into the girls' teams and to recognize the barriers facing girls' athletics. It's a launching pad to start asking bigger questions. California Freemason. Outside of sports, where else can fathers help support their daughter's development? Michelle. Dads can have a big impact by engaging their daughters in fields that currently have a lot of gender inequality, like STEM and entrepreneurship, where the pipelines for women are not well developed. Those are both dominated by men, and part of the reason for that has to do with cultural messages that nudge young girls in other directions. It can be as easy as taking your daughter to a science museum, or building something together in the backyard, or setting up a fundraising drive or a lemonade stand. Those kind of activities are really enjoyable and also have huge benefits in the long run to spark girls' natural skills in those fields. Michelle Travis is a professor at the University of San Francisco School of Law. Her research focuses on sex discrimination, gender stereotypes, work-family conflict, and disability discrimination in the workplace. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.